Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Welcome to the Way Church Service. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> thank you, Jesus, for making all this possible for us by going to the cross, becoming obedient unto death, and shedding His blood for the forgiveness of our sins, becoming the final sacrifice for our sins, so we could have a new life, eternal life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here on planet Earth. For all who believe in the one and only Son of God, we gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a goal, and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's Word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we use it to see how God wants us to live, think, act, serve, and how to treat others. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. I want to personally welcome each and every one of you to the way. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. If you have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's service? And we will start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly, Gracious Father, thank you for allowing us this opportunity tonight, Lord, to come before your throne of grace, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and to place your name above all names, even our own, as we all fight to put you first in our lives, Father. Thank you for saving us and giving us a purpose here, Lord. Thank you for getting us all here safely. Thank you for the flock you've given us, Lord, and the responsibility to the flock, Lord, and for the people who serve so faithfully. We're just so grateful for each and every one of them. Lord, just help us to deny our flesh each and every day to become better servants of you, Lord, and to hear your voice clearer and clearer as we learn your word through through your glory and grace, Lord. I pray for all the sick people, Lord, that you touch their hearts and lives, and through their brokenness they can find the Savior so they can get free from the power of sin, Lord. And I just want to pray for this great nation, Lord. You keep your healing hands over it and protect it for the sake of your believers. And so we can bring others into your kingdom, Lord. And let everything we do tonight be led by your spirit and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Okay. We're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing and we're going to get started.
I can face tomorrow. Amen? All my fear is gone. Oof, how's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> Better know, right? It's definitely been a long week for us in uh, the ministry, right? Three in a row, right? Triple threat. My voice is a little off. I've been preaching all week long. <laughs> Did a wedding last night. It was an awesome thing to get the message of the gospel out there, though. Through the ceremonies, it was a beautiful thing. I had um, people recommit their marriages through the service, hold their hands and recommit to the Lord, amen, and accept Jesus, you know, back into their lives if they were drifting. It's always a good thing to get the word of God out there, whatever way we can, amen? If we can't do it here, we can do it everywhere, amen? We are the church, amen? It was just a great time. And uh, I'm just grateful that I'm back and we're here. It's good to see everybody again. And we could continue on this spiritual warfare that all of us get beat up by. Amen? All right, let's go to Revelations chapter 21. We got a beautiful scripture there that Mary put up. The Holy Spirit is going to be taken over, so I please ask you to be uh, attentive to that. And. Uh, don't cause any distractions that might try to get us out of the spirit. <clears throat> God is good, amen? amen. <clears throat> He's good to me, that's for sure. He's good to everybody else. Whether we recognize it or not. His ways are higher than our ways, and His thoughts higher than our thoughts, amen? amen. Alright, look at verse 3. Revelations 21. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them, and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. The water of life is what? The water of the Word. Amen? Freely. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God. And they will be my children. What do you mean all of the victorious? We all know that the victory lies at the cross. Jesus defeated death at the cross. Defeated Satan. If we can continue to believe that all the way to the end. It says it right here. We'll inherit all the blessings. And I will be their God. And they will be my children. Amen. The thing of it is we've got to struggle now against this flesh. We don't we wish we didn't have to, but there is no growth without resistance. Amen. We have to understand that we're gonna to have to go through resistance to get out of that and to get closer and be more Christ-like, amen, so to speak. So that was a great scripture. I can stay in the scripture for the whole night, but I can't. So I'm just gonna we'll just take it for what it's worth. The Alpha and the Omega. He knows the beginning to the end. We don't. We don't know. 
We're very finite. We only see the present. We can't see into the future. We don't know what, if, if being obedient, obedient to him is going to bring down here. It could bring a lot of blessings. And it could bring a lot of pain and heartache too. Amen. We don't have to understand it's a privilege to suffer for Christ's sake too. Amen. So we have to understand the principles. And once we understand the principles, then we can get a better grasp on this and actually walk in his ways. I got a scripture for us too tonight. How's that? The Spirit was leading on my heart to share with you, and I'm going to. Deuteronomy chapter 30. By the way, we are studying the book of Deuteronomy on, on Wednesday nights. If you can get a chance to come out, it's a great study. If not, you could watch it on the live feed. Throw a shout out to the people watching on the live feed too. We're grateful for you being with us tonight and your continued support of the ministry. Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we are going to start in verse 10. <clears throat> There's so many awesome principles in the Old Testament that are never really talked about or preached on or expanded on are spoken in the way we're supposed to receive them in spiritual terms. Amen? And that's what we do here. We break it down so we can see the spiritual Israel now from the Bible. Verse 10. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 10. The Lord your God will delight in you if you obey His voice and keep the commands and decrees written in this book of instruction. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Two things. Look what it says. The Lord your God will delight in you if you obey His voice. Now, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to hear the voice of God. There's two voices that try to get into our heads. The voice of unrighteousness and the voice of righteousness. And if we follow the voice of unrighteousness, it's very hard to hear the voice of righteousness. Could I get an amen for that? And we've been living with the voices of unrighteousness for a long period of time. So we have to understand it's going to take time to hear the right voice and do the right thing. Can I get an amen? We need a lot of grace and a lot of mercy and a lot of room to grow and to hear the right voices. Because even the devil comes as an angel of light, the Bible says. It could sound like a good thing and a good voice, but if it takes us away from God and His church and us reading the Bible, we know it's not from God. Amen? He never takes us away from His Word or His church body. And it says, And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, there's another condition there. All of you has to go this way. You have to make a decision to turn all of your will and your life over to His care. Now look what it says, the choice of life or death. Verse 11. This command I am giving you today is not too difficult for you. Wow. It's not too difficult, the Bible says. How come it seems so hard for us? Because we try to do it in the flesh. That's why it's too difficult. Our flesh cannot do God's will. It cannot, it rebels against God's will. Can I get an amen for that? That's why we get frustrated. The spirit and the flesh war against each other. And that's why we have this constant struggle back and forth. Now it says it's not too difficult for you, and it is not beyond your reach. It's not like God's a deity up in heaven, like, I can't reach him. He's right next to us. It says it right here. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask. Who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey? It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask. Who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey? No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your hearts so that you can obey it. Now listen. Is everybody listening? Okay. Pay attention. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep His commands, decrees, 
and regulations. Now, how the heck am I going to do that? Well, the Bible tells us how to do it. It says, what comes after that? By walking in his ways. First, you have to hear the word. Then you have to understand the word. And then you have to obey the word and walk in his ways. Let me repeat that verse again. Today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're about to enter and occupy. What is he saying? If everybody followed God and did it this way, we, the, the, the land would get blessed. Just imagine the, the nation that we're in right now just followed the Bible. And the, all the decisions were made God's way. How good would that be down here? Ain't that? That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to establish his kingdom on earth. And it all begins with who? Me. Me taking an inward look, deciding to obey him, and walking in his ways. Giving you the message, you doing the same. You cannot change anything out there. The only thing that can change is what's in your heart. That's the only thing they can do. And it all begins with you. That's how we build this kingdom. One believer at a time. Amen? The world's not going to change because we believe in Jesus. As a matter of fact, things are going to get worse for us as believers because the world doesn't follow Jesus. It follows the devil. Can I get a big amen for that? Now it says, we'll bless you in the land you're about to enter and occupy. But if your hearts turn away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan. Now what's he talking about? Jesus saved you. He wants you to have a great life down here. But if you refuse to do that and live by the world's ways, you are going to be a miserable Christian from here on in. Can I get any amen for that? If Christians are miserable, it's because they're following the ways of the world and coming to church and they're being double-minded. When you're a double-minded, you're miserable because you're not doing God's will and you know you're not. And so you're walking in His ways and do you think He's going to give you that, that emotion of blessing and prosperity? No, He's going to make you feel uncomfortable and convicted all the time because you know better. The unbelieving world is already following the devil. But if you make a choice to follow the Lord and then go back into the world and serve other gods, you're going to destroy yourself, the Bible says. Once you're sealed, you're sealed. That's why you see a lot of miserable Christians because they don't make a decision to do God's will. They still do their own will. Amen? This is a process that takes place of sanctification. <clears throat> now look what it says in verse 19. Today I have given you the choice between life and death. Between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that your descendants might live. What do you mean your descendants? You make a decision to choose God? Your children and their children start to follow God and you end up building his kingdom that way. But if you're not following God, don't think your children are going to. Amen? That's what it's talking about. That's why you have to what? Talk about it all the time. Tell it to your kids. Talk about it when you're home. Put it on the doorpost. Tape it to your head. Whatever it takes. Because we forget this, don't we? Yeah. It's so easy to forget these principles when we're out in the world because uh, everything around us is following a different set of principles. And we're used to following them principles. And sometimes they get us. But we want this has to get in here and renew us. And that takes time. That's why we need a lot of grace and a lot of mercy. It takes a lot of grace and a lot of mercy to change. We don't like change. We don't like change. We're very rebellious to change. Amen? Especially if we're comfortable and think it's working out. Like we know more than God. Amen? But let me tell you something. God knows the result of living the way you do without Him. Can I get an amen for that? We have to understand Father knows best. Okay? Now look what it says. Verse 20, this is the, the last verse of this, and I want you to get this. Please get this. Listen, please listen to what it's saying. It is for your own good. You can make this choice. Now we know it's a choice. By loving the Lord your God, first to love Him, 
Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. Here it says it right here, look. Loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. Wow, what do you mean committing yourself firmly to him? By doing things his way and obeying him. And look what it and he's quoting and look what it says. Or he is the key to your life. That's the key to your life. Everyone want to know what the key to life is? Right here. Let me say it again. You can make this choice by loving the Lord, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. See it? Those three things. If we could do them three things, what we were designed to do will get fulfilled. Amen. And you'll have a great life down here. Now, what's the problem? Our flesh doesn't want to do things that way. And let's go. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live a long, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's saying, look, we live in a sinful world that's fallen. He says, I want to give you that peace that heaven's going to give you now. If you obey me and follow my ways, I'm preparing you now for what I have prepared for you then. Amen? A taste of heaven. How many of us want a taste of that now? That peace, that joy, that what? That resurrection power. When sin comes knocking at the door, you can just go like this and say, no, gone. And don't you think you don't have the power to do it? You have the power of choice through Christ, amen, who loves us. So don't say you have no choice. You have a choice to choose life or death, and you have to start to listen to the right voice. And this ministry is all about the right voice, amen, amen. and leaving the wrong voice behind and listening to the right voice more and more. And you can hear it clearer and clearer when you obey it, amen? That's the voice we want to hear. Now we're going to get back into our spiritual warfare. We're going to talk about what is spiritual warfare. Let me just clarify this. we got to clarify this good. Because the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood enemies, but against principalities and powers in the unseen world. The kingdom is not of this world, and neither is its warfare. Jews had already believed that God confronted spiritual opposition in carrying out his will on earth. In the Old Testament, these evil forces were usually depicted as cosmic monsters and hostile waters and that threatened the earth. For a variety of reasons, this belief in spiritual warfare intensified significantly in the two centuries leading up to Christ. This intensified understanding of evil and its new in its view of history is commonly referred to as the apocalypse worldview. Okay? The authority ascribed to Satan in the New Testament, the frequent depictions of illness and deformities as demonically caused and the general characterization of this present epic as evil and as approaching its end all reflect this worldview. We find references to Satan's rulers, principalities, powers, authorities, along with dominions, cosmic powers, thrones, spiritual forces, elemental spirits of the universe, gods, and a number of other spiritual entities. For short, I'll just call them evil powers, okay? The Bible has many names for evil. I'm just going to call them evil powers from here on in, okay? Understanding this worldview, now listen, helps us see that Jesus' radically countercultural counter ministry wasn't first and foremost a form of social and political protest, though it certainly was that outwardly. It was rather most fundamentally a form of spiritual warfare. The apocalyptic context makes it clear that Jesus' deliverance ministry wasn't the only way Jesus confronted evil, okay? Every aspect of the kingdom of God, Jesus manifested, revolted against a corresponding aspect of the kingdom of evil powers, okay? In Jesus and in the movement he came to establish, the long-expected apocalyptic battle between God and evil powers was and still is being waged. Amen? Can I get an amen for that? Is everybody with me so far? This is important to understand what spiritual warfare is, okay? When Jesus revolted against the oppressive religion of his day, 
Okay, for example, he was engaging in warfare against the evil powers that use religion to oppress people. So too, when Jesus refused to live in accordance with his culture's assumptions, laws, and social taboos regarding nationalism, race, gender, genders, and oppressed people. Paul reflects this point when he informs us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the evil powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. From a kingdom perspective, okay, it's not, if it's got flesh and blood, if it's human, and it's not, it is not our enemy. We have to understand that. He says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So the forces we wrestle against are not human. Listen to what I'm saying now. If it's human, it's not our enemy. To the contrary, if it's got flesh and blood, it's someone we're commanded to love and thus someone we're to be fighting for, even if they regard us as their enemy. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. It's not the people. Just because they're not Christians, we don't war against the people. Is everybody with me so far on this? This is important for Christians because this is what they do. The primary way we wage war on behalf of others, including our enemies, is by imitating Jesus and refusing to buy into any aspect of the evil powers, oppressive regime, okay? Including the universal tendency to make other people our enemies, whereas earthly wars are fought with pride, strength, and violence. The kingdom war is fought in humility, weakness, and love. Any aspect of our own life, our society, or our global community that is under the evil power's influence and is inconsistent with the loving reign of God as revealed in Jesus is something that we are called to revolt against. Amen? Amen. And we don't fight flesh and blood. So people out there are evil. What do we do? We fight back with evil. The Bible tells us to fight evil with good. Now there's a lot of evil people out there because I encounter them all the time. We don't fight back with our fists or with our tongue. We don't fight back. What do we do? We love them and we pray for them. Amen? Because that's what Jesus does for us. He loves us and prays for us because we're part of that flesh and blood. If that, we're our own worst enemy, aren't we? We don't wrestle with that. We don't join all that crazy stuff that's going on out there and try to fight against all these things and prove our point. Look, if you want to know what we're about, come to church and we'll show you. If people didn't want, don't want to know what we're about, we don't, they, we don't have to tell them till when they come to church, they'll figure it out. They already know what we're about. We're about the kingdom of righteousness and living right and doing the right thing. We don't have to go out there and force our will on people. Amen? Just because they're following the enemy. God still created them people too. What happens to Christians, they become legalistic Pharisees thinking because they don't come to church, they're my enemy. No, they're not your enemy. We're all made of flesh and blood. It doesn't matter what religion, what, what, ethic, what, what um, denomination, it doesn't really matter. We understand that there's a power behind driving them. Amen? There's two forces in the world, evil and good. And we have to understand the Bible tells us to fight evil with what? Good. Christians have a hard time grasping that. When somebody attacks them this way with their tongue, right? How many of us can't control what comes out of this mouth still? How many of us anger controls them? Evidence anger, anger, anger. Gotta prove my point. Gotta get the last word in. Gotta prove that I'm right and you're wrong. Is that the way Jesus tells us to handle it? Or does he say, <clears throat> keep your mouth shut, I got it. Let me tell you something. When you can just stay quiet and leave it in God's hands, your life will go very smoothly Amen. when you don't have to defend anybody or Jesus. You don't have to defend him. He's the one who's defending you. Yeah. Please. Please. The Bible says joy in the Lord is our strength. What does the devil do? <laughs> I can't wait to go to church. I hate people. <laughs> Hello, you go to church so you can love people. Get it? So you can love them. 
The power is in the church. Amen. We get plugged in so we can love that unbelieving world and show a smile in Christianity instead of a mmm. <laughs> oh my goodness. What a bad testimony. To say I'm saved and going to heaven and I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Stay away from me. <laughs> but I'm going to show you what Jesus is really like. Flesh. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So anybody out there that's not agreeing with you is not your enemy. The flesh and blood is not the enemy. The next door neighbor is not the enemy. Your spouse isn't your enemy. Your friends aren't your enemy. The enemy is something behind that. There's two forces controlling us. Evil and good. We need to get controlled by a good force, which is God. He, has, he puts the Holy Spirit in you and seals you so you can make the right choice. Can I make it, get an amen? We have choices to make each and every day, good or bad. He's not going to take... All right, go to Romans 13. I'm going to lock in what I was just saying. How do I know all this? Because the Bible tells me this. I'm not quoting anything to you that's not coming out of the Bible. And how am I going to do it? I'm going to prove it to you right now what I'm saying is true. <clears throat> Romans 13. I'm going to start in verse 8. Is everybody with me so far? Yeah, everybody's with me? Good. Stay with me. You don't let me lose. This is important stuff, I'm telling you. God puts me out in this world, too, to be a representative. And I'm like, boy, did I have to represent him yesterday. That's for sure. You see how people are without God, that you're living a life this way? It's almost like somebody shut the light off. Nobody thinks this way out there. Nobody. Nobody. Even people that claim they go to church. Because if you're not reading the Word of God and that's not getting in here... It's not showing up out there. It's not showing up. Look at verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. You see it? If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. And where's he getting that from? Exodus 20, verse 13 to 15, and verse 17. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. What's the new commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. But it's not a new commandment. He got that out of Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. He said that in Leviticus, to love your neighbor as yourself. God wasn't a harsh, capricious tyrant. He told us to love our neighbors back then. Now look what it says. Why? Why do I get to love people? Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. This is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. The time is running out. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And that is a fact. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So what do we have to do? Remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. And put on the shining armor of what? Right living. What don't people understand? They come to church. Living right is everything. Do you see it? To take the dark deeds, remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes, throw off your old nature, and put on the shining armor of right living. And that's the armor of God. Amen? We need to put that on every single day. And we have to keep it on, even when it gets hot. Okay? You know how hot it gets? Imagine we're all armor on. It's 90 degrees. You want to take something off to cool off, right? Well, this is how hot, what? It gets out there in the world. Take the analogy right. It gets hot out there. People get impatient. They get angry, they get selfish, they get greedy. And we want to take off the armor, right? 
and fight back because it gets too hot for us in there. So we want to take these armor off. We can't take it off because it's going to get hot. Can I get an amen for that? It says, put on the shining armor of right living. Now, look what it says. Why? Because we belong to the day. Look what it says. We must live decent lives for all to see. Why are these scriptures not spoken of in church all the time? Why do you always hear, God's grace, God's grace. Oh, I can do what I want. I'm going to heaven. What Bible are you reading? You're taking it out of context. God's grace is not a license to sin. It's the opportunity to fulfill what it says right here. And it says, we belong to the day. We must live decent life for all to see. Don't participate. Now, listen what it says. In the darkness of wild parties, in drunkenness. Don't go to wild parties. Don't drink. Or in sexual promiscuity, in immoral living. Or in what? And it goes deeper right here quarreling and jealousy. Well, you can say, I don't drink anymore. I don't go to wild parties. I'm not into sexual promiscuity and I don't live immorally, but I'm always fighting and still jealous. He goes to the sins of the heart after that. You notice? It's easy to say, oh yeah, I'm not doing them outward things anymore, but I still got what? I still got a what? I'm full of debating, a debating tongue. Always got to prove my point. Always quarreling. Think about it. Quarreling. The Bible says keep the peace. And it says instead. How many want the remedy? You want the remedy to a lot? Guess what? I'm going to give you the remedy. Now don't tell me you don't know what the remedy is because I'm going to give it to you. Now you're going to make the choice whether you want to use the medicine or not. Can I get any amen for that? Amen. Don't say you don't know because I'm telling you right now what the remedy is. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's clothing yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's the Word. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Don't let yourself think. What does it say? It tells us to run. Right? Don't let yourself think. What are you going to do when that starts coming? Change the channel. Go do something good. You have to replace it with good or it's not going to work. When, that, when those evil thoughts come and those evil desires come, you have to not just not do it, you have to do something good in replacement of it, which Christians do not do. They just try to fight it, but it doesn't go away. You have to replace it with something good so you can what? Change your mind. It has to be replaced. Or else, guess what's coming back? Seven more evil desires. Remember? When an evil spirit leaves, it, comes, it finds no rest, it comes back. If, that, if this isn't filled with this, what comes back? The evil comes back and it doesn't work. So you find yourself failing as a Christian because you're not replacing it with anything. It's okay. We got, we, he's got grace. Just imagine, he's hearing the word from John. He's getting this truth. Believe me, it's getting in. He's hearing it. All right. Last week, we got into some of the signs that you're in spiritual warfare, Okay. I'm just going to go through them quick, and we're going to pick up to the, uh, the fifth one. The first one I was talking about, sudden or extreme onslaught of various troubles and losses and trials. The second one, attacks of physical danger, illness, and life-threatening loss. The third one, increased temptation and luring towards sin or wrong choices. I'm not going to go back on these. If you want to get some, if you miss these things, go back in, into the studies. In the, they're online, right, Britt? They're all up there, right? Don't miss this stuff. This is really good. The fourth one, feelings of overwhelming despair, darkness, and fear. Remember I told you to read 1 Kings 18 last week. I hope everybody did about the victories on Mount Carmel. Remember when um, Elijah, he had that victory. He burned up the altar. He was 
even mocking the other gods. He said, perhaps they're sleeping. Or maybe they need to go to the bathroom. Maybe they can't hear you. They were actually cutting themselves, bleeding, for that God to come and burn up the sacrifice. It never showed up because it was a false God. Elijah was laughing at him. So, What's wrong? Maybe, he's maybe he's busy. Maybe your God doesn't have time for you today. Or maybe he's just going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> then he says, <laughs> he mocked them. Because they were following the false God. They knew the real God. They chose to follow Baal. We're talking about God's people here now. They were following false prophets. Like 450 of them were telling them to live sinful. One of them was telling them to live right. So you got 450 churches telling you to live whatever way you want. You got this church telling you to live right. Which one's going to get full? Which one's going to get full? Scratch your itchy ears, right? Let's fill up the synagogues with Satan, right? So tell them you can live whatever way you want. You're going to heaven. What do you think they were telling the prophets were telling them? Peace and prosperity. Don't worry. Judgment is not coming to you guys. Live whatever way you want. Elijah's saying, they called Elijah a troublemaker. Listen, you troublemaker. So this is a troublemaker church then to the world. Good. The Bible isn't here to make you comfortable. The Bible's here to make you squirm out of your chair saying, there's something wrong with me. I better make some changes or something's going to happen. And don't think it won't. Judgment will come. He gives us a lot of room to grow, but there's a time when he will just expose it. The healthy fear of God is the key to your life. All right, are we ready for the fifth one? Deep confusion. Feelings of condemnation and guilt. Dulled spiritual awareness. This one can be difficult to see through at times, okay? Because this attack can be so subtle and can happen slowly over time. But when we stop and look closely, we can call it out for what it is, okay? A slow, constant pulling away from God's truth will leave us feeling confused, irritated, conflicted, and facing generalized feelings of guilt and condemnation that we just can't seem to shake off. We've lost our desire to even press on and pray. Or we're too busy, we got too much to do, even good things. We're not in God's word. We're out of fellowship with believers, somehow believing the lie that we can do this life, this spiritual battle, all on our own, apart from the church. And yet we feel a dark cloud of confusion and guilt that follows us around it and won't go away. Do you ever get that feeling? Bitterness, resentment, disappointment, indifference, and anger can set in. I can't figure this out. Why am I so miserable? And we stop what? Not believing the words of God anymore. Conflict and broken relationships that we once cared about can set in. We don't even know what to believe anymore and have started listening more to what the world says is right. Get out of this trap now. Wake up. Stir yourself to action and know that God's power is greater to break through that trap of condemnation and confusion. God reminds us in his word that he is not the author of confusion. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. Everybody with me so far? Oh, I've get, believe me, I even get that myself. Where it seems like everything, I'm trying to do everything right, but everything seems like dark. Like there's no, there's no, glory, no joy from it. It just seems misery. It's like, I don't even want to do this anymore. It's like I'm miserable. Anybody get that still? Or is it just me? And what does us do? We start skipping prayer. Oh, I'm going to pray. Or oh, you read the Bible quick. Don't get nothing out of it. It's just like a, a motion. You really don't want it. Your heart is not in it completely. Because you're starting to get what? Indifferent. It's an indifferent spirit. All these are spirits, by the way. That's why it's called spiritual warfare. These are indifferent spirits that go into the believer's heart and mind. Now look what it says in 1 Corinthians 14.33. <clears throat> you know it as well as I do, we're not perfect people. All of us still fall short. Can you get into men for that? And when we do, the devil wants to hit us with guilt and condemnation. And that drives us further away from the cross. It makes us feel like this isn't working. 
Why am I still doing it? And blaming God. Look what it says in verse 33 of 1 Corinthians 14. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. Again, amen for that. He said, but peace. And in all the meetings of God's holy people. Now go to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Let's counteract what the devil's trying to throw at us. Can a believer still bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit? Absolutely. I'm going to prove that. Just because we're saved does not mean that our sin nature can't take the best of us still. We have to understand this principle. How many of us can honestly say that sin nature doesn't, doesn't get them anymore? Can you? Come on now, thought, word, and deed. Well, you can't overcome it. It's, it's nasty, right? Got to be honest. Even when we're praying. Look what it says. Look at verse 1. So there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You see it? And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So we are free from the power of sin. We just don't understand why. But we're not free from the presence of sin. We have to understand we're not free from the presence of sin we are free from the power of sin within us to say no to it, but the presence of sin still exists while we're here. Can I get an amen for that? The presence of sin won't be gone until we go home to be with Him. The penalty of sin has been paid for at the cross. That's a one-time event. Now the power of sin that still tries to take control of us is the war we're talking about here. That conflict between the flesh and the spirit. It's relational. Now, his spirit will bring conviction over... Listen. Listen to me now. His spirit will bring conviction over sin to his children. He will draw us to himself and show us what we need to make right. But within that, there is great hope and grace. It's not a ruthless condemning voice. It's not the lies and heaping on of guilt that the enemy will attempt to wreak havoc over us. Step away from the dark cloud and into God's light and truth. Like it says in the order of Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 30. And this is an awesome promise, and we have to thank God for this promise, because the seal is the seal. Thank you for sealing us. If anybody, any good Bible-believing Christian knows what a seal is, when a king seals something in the Old Testament, it cannot be withdrawn. Remember one of the king's daughter had to die. He sealed it, remember? He had to offer as a sacrifice. He couldn't revoke that seal. Couldn't break it. And look what it says in verse 30. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember. Listen, he's telling us to remember that he has identified you as his own. Or he has put his seal on you. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So it tells us in 31. Something we have to do. Get rid of all bitterness. Rage. Anger. Harsh words. And slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead of acting that way, be kind to each other. Tenderhearted. He didn't say go buy a gun, did he? And fight back with this. He said be kind. Replace it with good. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Do you see it? Now, the devil, what do he wants to do when we fall short? Look at you. You're so guilty. You'd be ashamed of yourself. Right? He makes us feel that way. Still, after we even know we're sealed and know that we do this, he still brings them emotions on through us. Those are spirits and they're evil. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10 and lock this in. And then we're going to talk about 
God's battle plan for us when we're facing the warfare, okay? We're going to show us how to combat it now. Now that we're recognizing what it is, we're going to work on how we can fight back. How's that? Look what it says in verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 10. This is awesome. When I read this, it gives me great, great joy. And it makes me, it just, it, it just cleanses me. Because it says, listen to what it says. Let's let the word of God speak to us tonight, family. Look what it says in verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 10. Let's go right into the presence of God with sincere, sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. What is it washed with? What do we wash our bodies with? Is he talking about the, the garden hose or the shower? No, washed with what? Renewing of the mind with the word of God. We're washed with the word of God. That's what he's talking about. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Now look what it says in 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It's hard to encourage people when you're not encouraged. It's hard to encourage people when you're discouraged by the heap and the burden of your sin nature. It's very hard to encourage anybody, and it's very hard to trust God when we're in that grip of that guilt and shameful part of it. Amen? Very hard for us to do that. That's why he says, don't go right into the presence of God when you fall short. 1 John 1 9, just go up and say, God, I blew it. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for sealing me. Please, Lord, empower me to keep going. Amen. Don't go away from it. Go towards it. Right. The devil wants you to walk away from the cross. The healing is at the cross. Right. You bring the sin to the cross and nail it there. That's what he's talking to do. So then you can overcome it. But if you don't bring it to the cross, you're going to keep committing it. He wants you to bring it to the foot of Jesus. And say, it's been dealt with, Lord. Help me to remember that when the, when the devil tries to make me feel like it's not. He hits us in our emotions and our temptations, right? He knows what we desire. All right, we've got a few minutes here. I'm going to talk about God's battle plan for us when we're facing spiritual warfare. And I know we all are, because I know I am. Especially people in this ministry that are soldiers. See, when you're on the sidelines and you're just running with the devil, you're not facing any warfare. But when you're hearing truth, and you're trying to stand firm, and you're trying to put your flesh to death, it's on. It's on. We have to understand it's on. That's why we need the armor of God, right? You can't just, you can't just say, oh, we need the armor of God. No, it doesn't work just saying it. We need to actually put it on. You need the armor of God. Yeah, we already know we need it, but are we going to use it? Am I going to put it on and leave it on? Am I going to take it off as soon as I walk out the door? All right. God arms us with the sword, the word of God, to stand against the enemy's lies. Okay? He equips us with the strength, wisdom, and discernment through his own spirit to stay strong in the battle. He invites us to spend time in his presence through prayer and worship, pressing in to know him more. As we grow to know God's truth, which is his word, more and more, understanding what is real, we also grow to know more what is false. Right? Once we start knowing what's true, then we start to know what's false. What we thought we believed the lie. We're able to quickly discern when something's not right. We are stronger to stand against it in the powerful name of Jesus. He never leaves us to fend for ourselves in a dark world. But reminds us he is constantly with us, fighting for us, even when we cannot see. Okay? He's never going to leave it. See, everybody wants to feel this stuff. It's not a feeling. He's with us. He's never going to leave us. He's fighting for us. The devil doesn't want you to think that or believe that. He wants you to feel defeated always. And a defeated Christian is what the devil wants. Because when we feel defeated, we are useless in the kingdom of darkness. 
Because we had to feed. I'm miserable. I sinned today. No kidding. All of us sinned today. But we have the sun now. Shining brightly on the dark deeds. He's renewing us. I'm sealed. I'm going to get over this. I'm a victor in Christ. Get behind me, Satan. This is, this is baloney. I'm believing a lie. I am, I am forgiven. I am righteous. I am good. In God's, in, in through Christ who strengthens me. But, try to do it in the flesh. Guilt, shame, and condemnation. And you can't fulfill God's plan for your life that way. Okay? So when we get back together again, we're going to get into the battle plan against these attacks. Amen? Amen. We're out of time right now. Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we are going to close. Stay tuned for the exciting episodes of we're going to win this battle. Oh, we're going to get this.
practice talking to one another so we can show more about the fact of the Lord. Let, let Jesus work through us every day, Lord, so people can be set free and see that Jesus is the truth, Lord. Jesus is the contract. Amen. All right. Thanks, bro.